You're listening to Radio Free Satan. Enjoy the show. Happy Happy Father's Father's Day. Day! I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It's great to have you. It is June 17th, and I've got a great show for you this week. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't address the Father's Day mention earlier. Uh, that was my family. Uh, happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Uh, I hope you earn it. Meaning, uh, you know, be the father that you really should be. Uh... You know, Father's Day, and, and I, I sort of talked about this last year, about this time, I believe. So I'm not going to go uh, go on at length here. But it is one of the things where it, it's almost like you don't really know how to be a good dad. And because you don't know how to be a good dad, you're sort of just there and doing your thing. And it ends up that you're showing, uh, you're being a good example, basically. Without even meaning to, as long as you're being there. Um, and that's, I think, and I mentioned this last week in, in this um, in, uh, Devil's Advocate portion uh, about being a good parent, uh, certainly a good satanic parent. And it's, it's just being there. That's, that's a huge part of it. Um, you know, very, very powerful words of wisdom there that I did not make up, but are very true. So, uh, to all you fathers out there, man, uh, men, earn that respect, uh, teach your kids to be the powerful individuals that they can be, and give them a good example of what that means, you know, and think about that every once in a while, because it's important. And, uh, you know what? Old Nick Magazine has come out with their new Hot as Hell summer issue, and, uh, you know, I just happen to know someone who has an ad in it, maybe me... (laughs) <laughs> I have to thank Old Nick. Uh, they they really did me a solid on this one, and I'm going to try to repay it in spades here. And that is to tell you about the majesty, the, the, the wonder, the titillation that is Old Nick. Here's why I like Old Nick Magazine, and this is pretty simple. I like Old Nick Magazine because it's not just your standard porn fluff. It's it's not a penthouse. It's, it's not, I don't know, one of the other thousands of of porno mags out there. It's a gentleman's magazine. It is a satanic inspired men's magazine. So you're going to get a lot of really great articles. You're going to get great editorial and you're going to get some beautiful women. So why shouldn't you check it out? And you know what? I'm going to give you a little uh, a little flair here. If, and I did this last year too, and I ended up giving out shirt for this. But if you, that's right, you the listener, will give me a photo of you with the current edition of Old Nick Magazine on the page or the spread with my ad on it, so I can see my ad and I can see that it's the current issue, I'm going to send you a free 9 cents t-shirt. That's right, on my dime. Who doesn't want a 9 cents t-shirt, really, huh? I'm going to give you one. So, just send me an image. You can send it via any of the uh, social networking uh, sites that I'm a part of. Or you can just email me, info at 9centspodcast.com. Send me the image. I'm not going to show it to anyone else. You don't have to worry if your hair is not done or something. Uh, But also make sure that you have, I don't know, maybe an address (laughs) and a size reference. You can go to um, aspapparel.com and get the the sizing chart there to figure out whether you're a medium or a large or or whatever. But yeah, free t-shirt for getting a magazine that you're going to get anyway, Old Nick, and enjoying some amazing content on all levels. So uh, think about it. Alright, so in today's show, I'm going to be talking about measuring success in Satanism. In the Infernal Informant segment, I've got two articles, Three Utah Sisters Welcome Obama Immigration Announcement, and 1991 L.A. Police Beating Victim Rodney King Found Dead. In the Creature Feature segment, 
I'm going to be talking to Warlock Marquis HK, uh, one of the creators of the Sentinel magazine. I'm going to have a little interview there for that. And that may be it. So, uh, sit back, hold tight. Another Nine Cents starts now. Why bother? How you done? Great. Let's cut the bullshit and get real. Why this purity you feel about evil? For Christ's sake, why? They don't lie to me. I guess, Father. You gotta feel that old nick in your soul. And it becomes clear. Like it did for me, the first time. That's when I realized my one true calling in life. And what's that? Shit, man. <laughs> I'm a born devil's advocate. Welcome to the devil's advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm a member of the Church of Satan. But I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. All right, measuring success in Satanism. And what does that mean? And can it actually even have a definition? And I think what you see, ultimately, are are people with this idea of somehow being successful in Satanism means or equates to collecting stuff, or whether it's people or friends or, you know, talking with people that they feel are, <laughs> I don't know, successful in Satanism. Okay, so l- let me explain something really simply, and you can get this same exact message by reading any of the literature and, you know, kind of just reading between the lines. You define success in Satanism by not defining it. <laughs> and it's so simple and so intuitive. You have to keep in mind that Satanism is not this order of people sitting around um, with yardsticks, <laughs> you know, like like comparing them to each other, saying, oh, look how great I am. Uh, I have all of these uh, friends on my, I don't know, Facebook account, uh, all these likes on my pictures, and somehow that makes you a good Satanist? That makes you a horrible... Satanism is about action. Satanism is about study. Satanism is about experiencing and living and accomplishing goals that you set yourself in life. It has nothing to do with the Church of Satan in of a, in and of itself. Like, literally, nothing. I mean, there are some people who, who are active members, and that's its own sort of thing. But if you're just a Satanist, like, like anyone out here, like me... The, the measure of success is how you apply Satanism in your life and how you can advance your life because of the, that application. We, we have to remember, and, and this is so important, and I see this, and I think everyone sort of sees this a lot, and it's one of the reasons I think a lot of people uh, look down on uh, the internet and social networking and uh, the idea of connecting with others is because you get a lot of pseudos, You get a lot of pseudos and you get a lot of pretenders. And that can be aggravating and frustrating for people who are are trying to uh, live as known Satanists, but they're not trying to, you know, have pissing contests at the same time. They're just trying to live their lives successfully as a known Satanist. When you mix that with social networking, you get a lot of these people that they will uh, reach out to you, they will latch on to you, and there's um, articles, even Megas Gilmore has written about this uh, very thing. Uh, but they're the type of people that ask you about joining and, and what does it mean when you join and do you, you know, does it provide secrets to success? And, and you have to understand that that has nothing to do with it. And honestly, if someone has claimed to have read the Satanic Bible and they are still asking these kinds of questions, well, you know, one, they're liars and they haven't actually read the Satanic Bible. And, and more importantly, they're not Satanists. Because what's, 
what's wonderful about being a Satanist, at least for me, is that you stand on your own two feet. And you are of worth based on your own merit, based on your own success, uh, of goals that you have set. So if, if your goals in life is to stay above water, working your ass off day in and day out so that you can ensure that your children have a better lifestyle than you did, well, then you are a very successful Satanist. If your goals of success are climbing the corporate ladder, uh, and being in a position of authority and power, and you get there, well, then you are successful Satanist. Now, both of those are very contrasting ideas, but they have nothing to do with what Satanism means, and has everything to do with the individual Satanist applying the message of Satanism in their own life, in their own way, and that's what's important. And I've talked about, you know, Satanism being this really big tent, and we have a lot of different types of people underneath it. Well, it's very true, and it's personified precisely in this way, unmeasuring success. So we have to keep in mind that success does not mean having the most friends. Uh, I mean, unless that's a goal of yours, understand that the organization or other Satanists are not going to see it that way. But that goes for any goal, to be fair. Um, Though I do think, I personally see people who are collectors as bottom feeders. You know, that's just my opinion. Um, Other people may like it a little bit more. You are not measured by your friends list uh, or uh, by how many uh, of a particular book you have or or anything like that. You are, you are measured successful uh, by living life, not collecting life. Um, and I, I think that is clear. I hope it is. And if you disagree, you know, shoot me an email, info at ninecentspodcast.com and let me know that you think my version of success sucks. <laughs> let me, but let me, let me sort of pay this off at the end here. Uh, for me, I know that I am a successful Satanist because I am working in a field, successfully working in a field that I have set as a goal to work in. I am a, as good a father as I feel I can be. And I, and I try to improve that. I take my passions, uh, I take them very seriously, and I try to execute them in a very serious way. And I, I, I do my damnedest to uh, be a powerful individual for my own good, because I really don't care what other people think. I, I don't care whether someone likes me or, or doesn't like me or, or, or sees what I do as a waste of time or not. It doesn't matter to me. I'm doing this for me. And you know what? That's what makes me successful. And that's what makes me a powerful person. Is that I'm able to shove aside anything and focus on what is important to me. And I think, uh, I think anyone that's capable of doing that, even if it's in conflict with everything that you've been taught or told, if you can focus on what's important to you, well, then you are a very successful human being and a very successful Satanist. And that's how I measure success in Satanism. Let's move to the Infernal Informant. Listen up! Listen up! Good news! There's no devil! Bad news! Else, no heaven! There's nothing to see! I'm your fellow informant! Alright, the first article we'll talk about is, uh, yeah, let's do this. The Salt Lake Trib, Salt Lake Tribune. This is three Utah sisters welcome Obama immigration announcement. And this is actually posted by the Associated Press, and uh, it's dated, I believe, today. Three sisters who faced deportation to Mexico after living in the U.S. nearly 20 years say they're relieved by President Barack Obama's decision to ease enforcement of immigration laws. The three members of the Avalar family, Barbara, Laura, and Sylvia, originally had faced a Friday deadline for deportation, the same day Obama made his announcement. Even though U.S. Customs and Immigration Enforcement Authorities granted a rare one-year reprieve from the deportation order earlier this month, the sisters told KSL that they welcome Obama's decision to offer a chance for illegal immigrants to stay in the country and work. The Friday 
Uh, June 15th deportation deadline had weighed heavily on their minds as they contemplated leaving their children and spouses to comply with the order. Quote, June 15th to us seems like a really bad day. June 15th is a better day now that we found out about Obama's announcement, end quote, Barbara Avalar says. The sisters, all Mormon, arrived in the U.S. in 1993 on the tourist visas when they were 8, 10, and 13. Sylvia Avalar says they overstayed their visas, but maintains that an unscrupulous lawyer never filed their parents' proper paperwork. They continued to live in Utah, graduating from Highline, I'm sorry, from high school, getting married, starting families. In December, immigration officials raided their homes and eventually deported their parents to Mexico. Under the Obama administration plan, illegal immigrants will be immune from dis from deportation if they were brought to the United States before they turn 16 and are younger than 30, having been in the country for at least five continuous years, have no criminal history, graduated from a U.S. high school, or earned a GED or served in the military. One of the Alvalar sisters, 27-year-old Sylvia, would clearly qualify for immunity from deportation, but Barbara, 30, and Laura, 34, may be too old to qualify despite clean records and high school diplomas. In any event, the family embraces Obama's announcement. It means a lot right now, especially when we've been going through... It's just a little light at the end of the tunnel, it seems to us right now, Barbara Avalar told KSL. The women are unsure how to blanket execute... I'm sorry, how the blanket executive directive will affect their case. Their attorney continues to work through the courts to reopen it. Uh, Representative Chris Harrod, Republican Provo, criticizes Obama's decision, saying immigration reforms should be left to the legislative branch of government. I don't think it's the right solution, he said. It rewards people who did things wrong and in many ways punishes people who do things right. That's the article. I'm not sure how it punishes people who do things the right way because they're literally not affected by this because they did things the right way. (laughs) And I'm not even sure how it rewards people who do the things wrong when the people that it's rewarding were children who didn't have a say whether or not their parents brought them over an invisible border or not. And I suppose, really, it's not an invisible border. We actually have <laughs> walls and guards on it. Uh, but I think my point stands. If you're a child and you were brought somewhere, you don't get a choice about that. Uh, now, this does reward those who were uh, taken into a country illegally or left there. And and here's actually a couple more things that I want want to bring up on this, because I I certainly don't think that we should give blanket immunity to anyone from deportation. I think even citizens who... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, even citizens who don't contribute to society. And I'll I'll let legislators determine what contribute to society means... But uh, I think even citizens who do not contribute to whatever society they live in should get the hell out of that society because they are literally leeches on that society. So yes, that means that if you are draining the the local state and federal government of resources and never actually putting anything into it, well then you don't deserve to be here. And of course there are certain exceptions, uh, but I think if, if that happened... You know, where do we deport them to? Who accepts them? Well, how about we just do it under the table to Mexico? <laughs> We're getting a huge influ- influx under the table from Mexico, so let's just push a few of our more trashy residents <laughs> down south a little bit. And let's see what happens. And you know what? If they're nor- close to the northern border, let's just shove them over to Canada for a little bit. And uh, see how they how they <laughs> like the very American experience <laughs> of illegal immigrants. And I'm just saying, if they come back over, if they want to get a job, they have, let's say, three weeks to find a job. And I guarantee, even if it's cleaning toilets, even if it's working at McDonald's, you can find a job in three weeks. Uh, Much less than that, I would think. Or maybe, hey, let's get those (laughs) who were uh, deporting that were once American citizens, but now are uh, former American citizens, who want to come back, let's give them visas. (laughs) <laughs> Let's get them working in, uh, I don't know, orchards, picking fruit. Let's have them uh, uh, sweeping up. Let's have them doing all the jobs that uh, they are oh, so self-righteously uh, complaining that the uh, illegal immigrants are taking. 
Let's have them do the jobs. These are people who aren't doing anything in our current society, but still reaping all of the benefits. Why are we allowing leeches? Really? And I could go on, on a huge bender here about churches being the biggest leeches, but I'm not going to even tackle that monster, even though I think we should. But I'm not even going to tackle that at all and just say, if you don't pay taxes, if you don't work, <laughs> and there's a lot of people here that don't work, get the hell out. We could be a lot more productive of a society if we had no leeches on our backs. Just saying. Uh, yeah, and if people want to come into our country and they want to work and live here, and they're not sending all their money back to Mexico, but they actually have their families here, I give a damn. I, I really don't care. Let them be legal residents so that they're paying taxes and contributing. We have enough leeches. We have people who, who want to work and contribute that we're not letting because of a convoluted immigration system and uh, a shitty place of origin, which, I mean, let's be honest... Uh, you don't really get to choose where you're born. So, yeah, all those people uh, that are uh, born in third world countries, well, it sucks to be you. <laughs> you did nothing to be born there. It wasn't your choice, but you're going to suffer because of it. Life's not fair. Deal with it. However, if you have the means of coming here, and we're going to be talking about this in the next article briefly, uh, and many, many do, and then your visa is expired and you're incapable of getting it renewed, but you're still working, contributing... I do think there should be a waiver. Absolutely. As long as you're contributing to the society you live in, I think you should be a citizen. And if you don't contribute to that society, I think you should be a former citizen and deported. Because those are the real leeches. I mean, if, if we're going to... Here's something that I think is a genuine issue. We're a global society. But we try to latch on to this uh, national pride... Which is funny because none of the businesses here actually have any of it. Our government doesn't have any of it. But it's always that sort of, uh, you know, soldiers, families of soldiers, people who have actually sacrificed in a way, they have the pride. So we latch on to this pride, but what does it really mean when no one else is backing it? When no one else gives a damn what what pride in your country means? Or, or they bitch when they have to ruin their entire lives by doing, I don't know, one short little stint at jury duty. Like, like that is the greatest disrupt to their precious being. You get so many benefits out of this country, and you only have to do a small handful of things. That's it. A small, tiny, tiny amount. And you get to do whatever the hell you want for the most part. In comparison, I'll say. Everything's, everything's uh, in comparison. Uh... Yeah, and then we have people who are dying to be a part of that. And we're like, no, no. You're brown, you're white, you're red, get out. I don't care. Oh, I forgot yellow. You're yellow, get out. Don't want you. Don't care. These are educated people in some cases. These are hardworking people in all cases. And we're going to throw them out. Meanwhile, keeping all of the leeches. Wow, that doesn't make any sense to me, but what do I know? All right, uh, let's do the next article here. I think this is a, a gem to be had. 1991, L.A. police beating victim Rodney King found dead. Dun, dun, dun. God, I remember this so vividly, the Rodney King. There, there, were, there were two news stories that in my, okay, three, that really ring a chord throughout my life uh, growing up because I think they were they were really hyped up. So, uh, Rodney King beating, the um, um, O.J. Simpson trial, and, and these are just, you know, not, it's not supposed to be the most important things that happened, just that resonated most with me because the people around me, you know, hyped him up so much. Uh, so, it was uh, Rodney King, O.J. Simpson, and the Gulf War. All three had huge impacts on the people around me, and thus on me, um, covered ad nauseum. Like, absolutely... Oh, and by the way, this is Reuters um, posted today. You know, let me just dive into this and we'll sort of just go traditionally here. Rodney King, the black man who came to symbolize racial tension. Do you really have to say the black man? Because I feel like... <laughs> Rodney King is just another way of saying black at this point. 
You know, I mean, you could just say Rodney King, the man who came to symbolize racial tensions. And, and even if you didn't say anything else, you say racial tensions, it's not white that you think of when you hear about racial tensions. It's not. <laughs> Granted, there are some freaky white supremacists out there, but if someone just walks up to you and say, first color you think of, racial tensions, you're going to say black. You are not going to say white. So you don't even have to say the black man. You can just say Rodney King. You don't even have to say Rodney King. You just say, uh, the man who came to symbolize racial tensions in the United States after his 1991 beating by police, uh, dot, dot, dot. And you would know exactly who they're talking about. That There are certain people in life that personify themselves. They're almost caricatures of themselves. Rodney King is one of them. He is he's like a, a caricature of himself. Uh, you know, some others I could name. Um, Jack Nicholson is a caricature of himself, for sure. But, okay, so I'm, I'm sort of digressing severely here. Uh, the black man who came to symbolize racial tension in the United States after his 91 beating by police led to riots in Los Angeles a year later, was found dead in a swimming pool on Sunday in Rialto, California, police said. He was 47. All right, so... If, if you remember, he was the one that said, can't we all just get along? Trying to end the riots. Um, for the same system that messed him up. Preliminary indications are that this is a drowning with no signs of foul play, Rialto police said in a statement. King was discovered by his fiance, Rialto police captain Randy DeAnda said. The San Bernardino County Coroner's Office will conduct an autopsy, authorities said. Oh, I'm sure it'll be thorough. <laughs> There's no way that the police would have anything to do with a, uh, I'm sorry, Rodney King? Rodney King? Yeah, no, him and the police have never had any relationship. There would definitely be nothing <laughs> connecting the two of them. King's death was reported to police Sunday morning uh, in Rialto, about 50 miles east of Los Angeles. Police pulled, and that's funny, they have to, how close is this to where he got beat? Like, the only reason why we know who this guy is, and he's not just some other random guy who drowned in a pool or was uh, a, a victim of foul play and ended up at the bottom of a pool, uh, is his connection to Los Angeles and being beaten by police. So let's, let's add the mileage in so that we can help people place where Rialto is. Because no one would be able to... No one even cares where Rialto is. It could be a billion miles to Los Angeles. That doesn't matter. I don't think that's the point of the article, nor should it be the focus, nor should it be something that you just sort of, it's like a future, um, a future Jeopardy question, you know, I, I, random shit like this drives me nuts, about 50 miles east of Los Angeles, and 100 million miles south of the moon, who cares, like, how does that have anything to do with anything, like, did you just have to meet a, like, a letter quota, (laughs) and so you just throw it in there it could have been a letter quota because they it's actually five zero and they didn't spell out 50 miles so they just had to you know throw it in there for the beating connection police pulled his body from the swimming pool but were unable to resuscitate him donda said king became known around the world after he and some friends were stopped by los angeles police on march 3rd 1991 after a high-speed chase king was beaten by baton-wielding officers while a bystander videotaped them The video prompted a national debate on police brutality and race relations. When the officers were cleared of brutality charges a year later, yeah, (laughs) cleared, (laughs) riots broke out in Los Angeles, resulting in 53 deaths, hey, that makes sense, and uh, an estimated $1 billion in damage. During the riots, King made a famous, (laughs) famous, I can't even speak, televised appeal for calm, saying, can we all get along? Two of the officers were later convicted on federal charges of violating King's civil rights and were sentenced to prison. See, good things do end up happening in some cases. A jury ordered the city of Los Angeles to pay King, who was unemployed at the time of the beating, $3.8 million in damages. Activist Reverend Al Sharpton called King a powerful civil rights symbol who quote, made America focus on the presence of profiling and police misconduct, end quote. Uh, Though all that he'd gone through with his beating and his personal demons, he was an addict, he was never one 
to not call for reconciliation and for people to overcome and forgive, Sharpton said in a statement. King had a history of substance abuse and previously appeared on the U.S. cable TV program Celebrity Rehab. This year, two decades after the riots, King wrote a book entitled The Riot Within, My Journey from Rebellion to Redemption. You really think he wrote that book? Really? Because, uh, yeah, I'm not buying it. I don't think Rodney King, if you've ever seen this guy speak or act or anything, he's not the most articulate individual. So for him to write a book that is uh, intelligible, no, n- not going to happen. Yeah, he had a ghostwriter. I-, I wonder who it was, because they should be crediting him with writing the book. How I Made Sense of Rodney King's Ranting, The Right Within, My Journey from Rebellion. Like, that's what it should be. In a statement, Los Angeles Police Chief Charlie Beck said King had earned a unique spot in both the history of Los Angeles and the LAPD. Really? Beck said uh, King's legacy should not be the struggles and troubles of his personal life, but the immensely positive change his existence wrought on the city and its police department. You think, um, uh, what, what are those benefits? Could, could we get a, like a, a bulleted list of, of the benefits that were, because what, what positive changes were made when you guys didn't think that your officers were out of line? And it took a federal court to convict him. And the whole time you're denying it. Uh, shitting on this uh, guy's reputation. And I'm not saying he was innocent. Uh, because no, no, he's not. But uh, he did his ass beat for what I, I would consider not a justifiable cause. And I never saw anything. Like, is it is it like wildly known if you live in Los Angeles area that the police are now... Fair, <laughs> because that's not the message I've heard. So uh, I'm not sure what his legacy is in that case. Uh, dude gets beaten for no reason and changes nothing. Maybe that's the real message. King, who has three children, was engaged in Mary. I'm sorry, engaged to marry Cynthia Kelly, a juror in the civil suit he brought against the city of Los Angeles, according to the biography that accompanied his book. Los Angeles Times published a quote that King gave the newspaper this year. I would change a few things, but not that much. Yes, I would go through that night. Yes, I would. I said once that I wouldn't, but that's not true. It changed things. It made the world a better place. I don't think it did. I really don't think it did. Because now... Um... Police are still acting like douchebags in most cases. In most cases, not all. And uh, they're still profiling. I mean, just look down south to Arizona for that one. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty damn sure there's still the random beating. So I'm not sure how much change. Unless the change you mean is the riot that ensued. Because, yes, that was a big, that was a billion dollar, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, That was a big, (laughs) big problem. So... I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't understand. Maybe. <laughs> but either way, Rodney King is gone. So, um, yeah. Does it does it matter at this point? I don't I don't think so. I think he had his moment in history. Uh he was actually at the the wrong end of the stick in that moment in history. And I don't know. I I don't think even at that point people thought that there was no racism. I don't think they thought, oh, we've, we've moved past racism. And then Rodney King was beaten, and then suddenly we're like, whoa, racism hasn't gone. Oh my gosh, there's racist cops. How could that happen? You know, I, I feel like that was a known already. So, I don't know that he changed anything post. I, I don't think that it enlightened anyone about anything in the event. And let's be honest, he was an addict barely holding a job before. So, I'm not sure of the legacy that he's leaving behind, except for one that everyone else is trying to latch on to and glorify. I mean, let's face it, if it wasn't Rodney King, it'd be someone else. It's just a matter of time. Um, With all the video and internet and phones that have really sprung up since 1991, I can't help but think we would have caught someone else doing it, too. And I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on the dude's legacy. He, you know, he was he was in an unfortunate incident, but he was always, 
always a victim of his own behavior beforehand. And I just cannot celebrate that. I can't, if, if you are so weak that you are incapable of conquering your own uh, demons, so to speak, you're not worth my time to think about or talk about or praise. So I'm going to have to end this article now on that note. Yeah. Uh, see you, man. Alright, and that's going to do it for the Infernal Informant. Uh, yeah, I, and, and here's here's a greater thing that I wanted to mention, because we, we talk about situations like Rodney King, and we talk about how there's a, a, an existence of racism, and the news really hypes on it, they jump all over it, and if, if your own only exposure to the United States was through the media, then you would think that this is the most racist country in the planet. But we still have people jumping borders. We still have people uh, just staying after their expired visas. And they wouldn't do that. Struggling, saving up their whole lives, uh, fighting adversity just to come here. And they would not do that if it was as racist as we are told it is. I mean, that's just the reality of it. If we were really burning crosses on people's lungs and hanging them from a fucking tree, they wouldn't be coming here in droves. Period. And I'm certainly not saying that to imply that's a appropriate method. That's a very Arizona method, I think, of, of solving the immigration problem. I'm just saying we, we are not as racist as everyone thinks we are. And yes, you're going to run into the random kid who has told a bunch of bullshit lies that that thinks for some reason because your skin is a color or you have a certain ethnicity or uh, ancestry that that somehow defines you. Those are ignorant people, truly uneducated, and it's just not the reality of the world we live in. You stand on your own two feet or someone else is holding you up, and that's it. Like, that defines your worth. You or those holding you up. Now, we have a lot in our society that our society is holding up, which I spoke to earlier. And I don't think we need to. But uh, how about we do a little bit of filtering? And you know what? Not turn away those who are working hard and um, stop pretending like we're this huge racist. I have no white guilt in me. None at all. You know why? Because I've never done a fucking thing to anyone of color regardless of the color. Uh, unless they've done something to me first. Okay, I'll, <laughs> let me qualify that. Uh, I was jumped once by a gang of uh, black kids because <laughs> I had a loud-mouthed girlfriend at the time. <laughs> a story I might get into at some later date. But I was jumped by a bunch of black guys. And, uh, yeah, I survived to tell the tale, and, uh, I don't hold it. I, I mean, there are a bunch of kids that just wanted to prove how tough they are by beating up or trying to beat on, uh, one white boy. <laughs> one, when there was at least 12 of them and their girlfriends cheering them on. So, I, I don't really, I, I certainly don't forgive anyone for anything. Uh, I mean, truth be told, I wasn't really beaten up. I mean, one dude hit me and I walked away. <laughs> like, that's it. what really ended up happening. And they were like, I, I don't think they really even wanted to fight, to be honest, but they did want to act tough in front of their girls because my girl was talking shit. Um, just kind of what happens. So anyway, um, yeah, th they cornered me. Uh, one dude was swinging and I was just sort of backing away. I'm not stupid. I don't want to get in a fight and then have everyone jump on me. And then one dude hit me in the head. I stopped for a second, looked at him, and then did the little calculation, a little math in my head. 1 versus 12, and thought, maybe I should just walk away. <laughs> and and they let me walk away for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it was weird. But yeah, so I don't hold it against those kids for being like that. I mean, they, they're ignorant children uh, acting as ignorant children do. Whatever, you know? I mean, if, if I could go back and punch the dude that punched me, I would, but at that time, there it just wasn't a reality, uh, you know, that I could deal with. So... It's not like I hold anything against anyone else um, as far as race goes. And I don't think I'm the only one that doesn't. I, I, I judge people on their individual accomplishment. Another thing I spoke to earlier. So uh, I, I think maybe if a little bit more of us in the world did, maybe we'd have a bit more productive of a society. That's all I'm saying. All right, so that's going to do it for the Infernal Informant for real this time. <laughs> Take a short break and we'll dump into uh, Creature Feature. See you there. Mother Breakfast Radio. 
Hello, my name's Dave Ingram. And I'm Donovan. And we are Metal Breakfast Radio. Inviting you to join us with a few beers each week. For a dose of metal scrutiny. Some verbal skullduggery. And a hell of a lot of rubbish. Rubbish! Find us on metalbreakfastradio.com, darksentinel.dk, and radiofreesatan.com. Are you looking for music from the 80s and the new wave, post-punk, and other hits? Jay Nothing, the host of The Metro, will take you back to the 80s with songs that made the decade of me so memorable. Get the weekly updates at RadioFreeSatan.com. And remember, Hail Satan. Host of Deep Six Radio. And I am in Russ. Yes, we are. So if you want to be one of the six taking on the oh-so-lovely Idris and want to be featured on the show... Send your emails... And MP3s... To us at... Deep Six... At RadioFreeSatan.com Include a bio... And anything you want mentioning on air. We are open to any genre... Apart from rap. Deep Six also includes a fine selection of alternative rock... As well as multiple other genres. So why not jump on the roller coaster? That is Deep Six Radio. Deep Six is available on... RadioFreeSatan.com And also iTunes a week later. We, we look, look forward, forward to, to you joining us. End of the line. Oh God! No. Just me. <laughs> Did you know that after the heart stops beating, the brain can function? For well over seven minutes, we got six more minutes to play. <coughs> Why are you screaming when I haven't even cut you yet? Welcome to Creature Feature. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I'm being joined by Warlock Marquis HK, the creator of the Sentinel. Um, Thank you for coming on the show. How are you today? Great. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Great. So I wanted to have you on the show uh, n- not only to feature the Sentinel, but also a little bit about yourself. Uh, so how about we start there? Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, basically, uh, my background's uh, pretty much no different to a lot of people in the uh, COS um, and uh, how they found Satanism. I was always an outcast as a, as a kid growing up in high school. I was very interested and influenced by the punk rock scene, and therefore I went on to uh, get involved into the hardcore scene uh, as I uh, was getting older and naturally ended up in my own bands. Um, I didn't actually know too much about Satanism. I, um, I was always fascinated by the imagery and uh, just just the whole uh, rebellious aspects of it. Um, I'd seen Anton LaVey on uh, various uh, documentaries. I really didn't know anything about him. I just knew that he was uh, re- representative of Satanism in some way or another. And uh, basically, I uh, stumbled upon an interview with him in a magazine one day and uh, read it, and it totally made sense, and purchased uh, the Satanic Bible, and um, I just thought, well, this is me. I've just been this all along, and um, yeah, that's... That's pretty much uh, how I found Satanism, or it found me. <laughs> nice. So, uh, being in uh, Australia, I hope it's all right that I say that, because <laughs> I just did. Uh, being in Australia, did you ever find a little bit disconnected, uh, maybe from uh, Satanism itself, because of the distance, or do you think that the philosophy sort of 
transcends, uh, you know, location and, uh, you know, stuff like that? Well, to a certain degree, yes, uh, because there really was, um, I really didn't know too many uh, practicing Satanists, um, uh, both here and um, interstate also. Um, I did know of um, a couple of members, but basically um, in my local area, it was pretty much all metalheads who, you know, wore the pentagram patches and all this and uh, said that they were into it. But, you know, of course, you know, most of them are just into the whole image thing. Um, yeah. But uh, now it's, it's, it's actually growing. It's, um, I recently um, had a meeting with uh, Magistrate Nagramia and, um, and Magus Peter Gilmore and uh, they uh, said that the uh, membership numbers are actually grown in Australia. And uh, I'm getting correspondence from uh, COS members, uh, uh, new members all the time, which is um, a good thing. But when I first got into it, I did feel pretty isolated, yeah, because uh, the simply I just thought everybody um, everybody who was involved with the COS was uh, based in America or Europe. And uh, so, therefore, it's sort of been a slow process. Yeah. Um, did you ever, at, at any point, I mean, you know, we're born with this way of seeing the world. So, th- this may be a bit of a, a stretch of a question here, but <clears throat> was there ever a point where some of the, the notions were a little bit foreign um, solely because of the culture that you were raised in being, you know, a bit different than uh, the American culture that it was birthed in? Um, yeah, we seem sort of, I'd, uh, growing up, I mean, I'd uh, perceived, basically, before I sort of discovered the philosophy, I basically perceived Satanists as being nuts, fruitcakes. Yeah. You know, that uh, go out and sort of slaughter animals and, you know, all that garbage. And, of course, you know, uh, Richard Ramirez uh, made big headlines here. <laughs> yeah. And I sort of thought, well, it's, yeah, I sort of uh, thought it was just uh, a crazy sort of, uh, rip, you know, uh, philosophy basically being reverse Christianity. But, uh, of course, you know, when I discovered it for real, uh, yeah. that uh, wasn't the case. And I was sort of always hoping that wasn't going to be the case as well. I thought, you know, I was hoping that there were a few, you know, um, Satanists with a head screwed on out there that uh, weren't attention seekers and um, <laughs> all that type of thing. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's transition over here to the Sentinel. So, um, can you tell me how would you describe the Sentinel? Well, basically, it's a, um, a, a lifestyle magazine for uh, followers of the left-hand path and anyone with the, an interest in the black arts. It's not strictly for COS members or Satanists alone. It's uh, for anyone with an interest uh, in the um, <clears throat> just just stuff that pretty much gets ignored by the mainstream media, whether it be music, uh, underground artists, and um, and uh, basically essays from uh, from various writers taken from a satanic perspective and so forth. It's um, it features a whole a diverse range of subjects from uh, musicians to um, to articles on uh, health and fitness and um, for example in the latest issue we have uh, an article on the uh, pleasures of uh, the uh, the sins and how they bring personal gratifications and also an uh, article on the importance of laughter yeah and uh, how it is the best medicine and um, there's also one um, comics and uh, reviews of um, uh, CDs and uh, film and um, yeah, there you have it. Well, that's great because it sounds a lot more like a culture magazine and and less like uh, you know, like a, like a story magazine or a adult magazine, you know what I mean? Well, you've, you've pretty much hit the nail right on the head there. It is a culture magazine uh, but it's just a, it's a, like because it deals with such a wide range of subjects, you know, you can't really sort of categorise it as a music magazine or uh, or um, let's say uh, strictly a satanic magazine, even though that's what we're primarily uh, aiming for, yeah. but we just like to yeah, see it as basically um, a lifestyle, a, a lifestyle uh, culture magazine with uh, leaning towards the, um, the left-hand path. So, l- let me ask you, why... Did you have a background in, in publishing or in writing? I mean, what was it that, that made you want to put out The Sentinel? Well, it wasn't me alone. It was a, um, 
a colleague of mine also was a COS member who really goes by the name of Atronach. Him and I have been uh, friends for quite a few years now when uh, we used to just uh, meet up and um, you know, have a few uh, beers and talk about the philosophy in general and then uh, we sort of discovered that there were other people with uh, like-minded interest and uh, we, at first we were going to sort of put out a newsletter but um, we thought, well, hey, why don't we just go the whole way and do a magazine? Yeah. And uh, basically that's how we sort of started out. It sort of started out as a sort of black and white fanzine type thing. And then um, with each sort of, uh, with each issue, we sort of, uh, the quality got better and better. Uh, we're, now, uh, at, um, we're now at the stage where we're actually a full colour, feature two page, full colour magazine. Um, it hasn't been easy. Um, <laughs> it's sort of um, cost us up until now where we've sort of discovered to publish it online. But... Um, yeah, that's, that's how it all came about, really. Was there ever a point, um, you alluded it to a, a time of, of being more challenging to, to continue putting out. So was there ever a time that you thought, you know, we're not going to be doing this anymore, it's not cost-effective, or uh, time constraints are too much? Well, it wasn't the case of uh, we knew we weren't going to make money out of it. I mean, let's, let's be real here. Um, if the mainstream no mainstream publisher was going to touch a satanic publication with a barge pole. Yeah. And um, if it sort of, if it did get released in all the uh, newsstands and so forth, uh, it'd probably be picked up by, you know, your uh, people thinking it was a heavy metal magazine or whatever. Um, both uh, Trenak and I, we've had no sort of background in writing or publishing, even though I've always sort of been a bit of a writer in my own, in my own right. But, um, yeah, well, this is why it sort of didn't get published on a um, quarterly basis as well, or was what we intended is because uh, it was just such a such, such a challenge to to uh, get the thing sort of um, get the thing out there. I mean, we were sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place, yeah. and it was just uh, yeah, it was just really uh, really infuriating. But um, now, hopefully, we'll be able to sort of um, get the thing out there on a more regular basis. I mean, there was holdups with uh, this issue for it's um, some of the reviews and articles on there are actually a couple of years old but um, it's still quite relevant and um, yeah so um, it has it has it, it hasn't been easy put it that way yeah well um, with any publication uh, of any size but certainly of, of this size where it's uh, you know it's chock full of a lot of information um a lot of great stories and cartoons and uh, reviews that you've uh, spoken to. Do you do you have like a regular call for entry? Um, how do you reach out, uh, or or do you guys are you are you happy just doing everything in house? Pretty much, uh, it's an open forum. I mean, if anyone sort of approaches us with um, you know something they wish to write about, which which we would uh, which we feel would uh, fit well in the magazine, uh, absolutely, they're welcome to uh, you know submit their material and we'll definitely look at it. Um, but the, um, myself and Naturanak do write um, the, the majority of the um, <clears throat> the material. Uh, we absolutely welcome um, anything that um, might suit them from uh, whoever wants to contribute. Yeah, whether they be artists or, you know, cartoon drawers or um, people who want to review a record or, or whatever, or a film or a movie. How would people be able to contact you uh, in order to do that? Okay, well, uh, we don't have a website as uh, as yet, but uh, we, um, you know, when you when you pick up the Sentinel magazine or get access, I mean, there is a website, or oh, sorry, an email address that you can uh, contact myself on. And I'll uh, probably get back to you uh, if, if you uh, expect, express um, interest. Okay. You can contact me on the Sentinel A U S T at hotmail dot com. Okay, I'll I'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, what about advertising? I mean, with any magazine of this size, it takes a significant amount of time and money on your part. So, uh, do you accept, uh, or, or, or you know? Do you feature uh, a lot of different advertisers? I mean, I, I noticed, like, old Nick, for example, is in this. Yeah, well, basically, that was a uh, pretty much a, uh, shall we say, a contra deal. Um, basically, it was sort of a favour for a favour. They did a full-page ad in, um, in in theirs, and, you know, we uh, we returned the favour sort of thing. Well, actually, um, I actually approached the, uh, the publisher of old Nick and um, basically put the idea to 
maybe get some sort of some sort of paid advertising, which will you know definitely help fund the magazine as well. For example, um, I deal with a lot of cinema companies down here. I don't sort of work for them, but I do promotion for uh, horror movies and so forth from some of the some of the giants. Um, so um, you never know. I mean, of course, you know they'd want to see distribution ratios before they sort of you know um, hand over their cash. But um, yeah, with you never know. We could also, um, you know, do reasonable fees for our small businesses or whatever, or boutiques, record shops. Nice. Whatever the case may be. All right. Well, um, again, I'll, I'll keep your email address uh, for contact purposes in the show notes. So if, if anyone is interested in reaching out to you, then uh, they'll do that. And I, I think I will <laughs> be reaching out to you maybe a little bit here also. Uh, okay, so how long have you sure. been putting out The Sentinel? Uh, we started out... Um, in, I believe it was uh, 2007, I believe. Nice. Yeah, yeah. and it's sort of uh, been, we're up to uh, issue four now. I mean, uh, we would have really liked to have sort of uh, had a lot more issues under our belt, but uh, unfortunately circum- circumstances uh, sort of didn't permit that. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're still uh, chugging along on the, the left-hand path, if you like. Yeah, very nice. Um, and people can pick up the Sentinel, uh, the current edition, on magcloud.com, and there's a link from news.churchofsatan.com as well. Uh, what about back issues? That's correct. Um, we could um, that would involve sort of reprinting them, but um, we could we could basically um, we'd have to basically organise um, the uh, files and so forth, and then sub and submit them to McGraw. We don't really have too many, um, I mean, in the current issue it says that we do. We could do it. Mm-hmm. It'd probably um, take a little while, but uh, it is definitely doable. All right. um, we do have all our files um, lying around somewhere, so it is doable. Nice. But uh, so uh, if, if we do get, like, if anyone is interested in ordering the previous three, uh, <laughs> just, just sort of bear with us. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely do our best to... Uh, to uh, get them to you. Alright. What are some of the challenges that you identified that maybe you didn't see uh, when you first you know, decided to, to take on the, this project? Oh, well, basically we were just uh, new to the whole thing. And, um, yeah, we just sort of, um, I sort of got advice from uh, various other publishers and, um, you know, they, um, there, wasn't, there was one actually which was quite similar. It was a so-called dark culture magazine here in Australia called Black. Um, Basically, um, I looked at the thing and um, I sort of got it distributed in all these newsstands around the country. Um, but it, it died after three issues because there wasn't one ad in there. And uh, the person who um, did the publication took out a bank loan and, um, yeah, that's why a lot of them do it. Uh, unfortunately, we're not really in that uh, position um, to do that. But, I mean, it's, it's a dangerous area. Yeah. Uh, if you get too self-indulgent and you just want to get your product out there without sort of weighing up the odds and how to, uh, you're going to fund it, it will not survive and it'll just uh, land you in a lot of debt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're really sort of, yeah, so that's, you know, that is a major challenge within itself. Well, what about the digital option? Has that has that alleviated some of that financial burden up front? Absolutely. Yeah, the digital option uh, sort of uh, eliminates all that altogether. Um, because you know it's it's just download it's you can just download it at your fingertips and don't have to worry about print costs and so forth. Yeah. I really don't want to see printed matter disappear. Um, um, because I'm one of those people. I'm very old school. I like to have the thing in your hand. Right. Like uh, I do not like reading books online. That's just not for me. Same with magazines. I prefer to have the hard copy in the hand. But uh, digital download is uh, definitely an advantage, which uh, is beneficial for all potential publishers. Yeah, where do you see uh, the Sentinel down the line? I mean, is this something that you're you're going to continue for the foreseeable future? Um, is this something where you have a goal in mind that you want to you know reach X number and then uh, move on? Or no, well, the goal at the moment is just to uh, get the you know, get the thing out uh, sort of periodically, just uh, you know for because I know there is uh, interest out there. Uh, for the for the mag and his content, so the goal at the moment is just uh, to keep the thing going and hopefully get it out there on a more regular basis. And um, hopefully we've found a um, we found an avenue to do that now. Nice. As, and as far as um, 
year. I mean, uh, it's never going to be, you know, a, a Kerrang or, uh, or whatever you want, to, or, you know, a magazine of that caliber. But, um, you know, we sort of, that's not what we're aiming for. Mm-hmm. We're just aiming to go to, uh, um, to get a publication out there for uh, like-minded individuals to enjoy. So hopefully we can um, do that a lot more frequently. That is the goal at this stage. What's the um, the release cycle that you're you're aiming for? Well, I would like to put out two a year, if possible. Nice. Um, at this stage, but um, like I said, it may need to get more sort of contributors on board and um, people who are sort of uh, willing to um, work for basically a labour of love. You know, there's no money in this for any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully we'll be sort of be able to grow from there and see where it takes us. Very cool. Well, I wish you luck with it, uh, Marky. This is, it's it's a great magazine. I, I've just been turned on to it, so, you know, I, I am going to be uh, kind of uh, sending emails and bugging you to see if there's a possibility of getting the back issues at all. Um, thank sure. you so much for joining me. I, I appreciate your time. Thanks, Adam. Thanks very much. And if there's anything we can do for um, the nonsense, um, just let me know when we'll be right there for you. Fantastic. Uh, well, until we can uh, communicate later, uh, hell Satan, man. Thank you. All right, that that was kind of tough because our schedules were really almost in pure opposition. So we were only able to get a small block of time together to meet up, and I, I'm very glad we did. Uh, certainly, go check out the Senate. I'm gonna have the um, MagCloud link for the actual publication in the show notes, as well as the email that was mentioned for uh, I don't know if you want to submit something or contact him. You know, for whatever reason. So uh, that'll also be in the show notes. Look for it there. And guess what? Yeah, that's going to do it for another show. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I do truly appreciate it. And I, I know I say that every week, but really, I do. I, I would not be doing this if I didn't have, you know, downloads. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of it. Like, I do this almost therapeutically. Uh, it, you know, I enjoy it. it. It helps me get thoughts off my chest that may or may not have been nagging at me for quite some time. And, uh, you know, just sort of, uh, it, it allows me an avenue to voice my my specific perspective, which, um, you know, thanks to you guys, makes me think that it has worth. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's always had worth to me. I've never really known it has worth to other people. And thanks to my phone for beeping like that. <laughs> okay, so anyway... Uh, I, I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. And again, just as a reminder, Old Nick Magazine just came out with their new summer episode. If you send me a picture with my ad in the current issue, I will send you a free t-shirt. Go to um, uh, oldnickmagazine.com and check it out for yourself. Certainly, uh, for the discerning taste, it is the the magazine to be picking up. You can visit SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. You can also subscribe via iTunes by searching 9 cents. And don't forget to leave a rating or comment if you do. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, an online streaming radio station. Now, once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I am your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, Hail Satan!